0: Uh, last week, we, we started this series and, uh, called 30 Days, and remember, I asked you to, to think about a really important question, and that question was, if you had 30 days, and over the next 30 days, what would you do to make a difference in your life? And last week, I talked to you about how, how the first thing we would want to do is to live our life passionately, and how passion is something that just uh, really reverberates in our life and makes us want to hit the ball out of, out, out of the fence every week. I talked to you about how Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that he came to live life abundant so that we could live life abundantly, I should say, that Jesus, his pouring of his love into us is that we could have this abundant life, and that's the importance of that. I shared with you a couple of uh, stealers or drainers of our passion. And we talked about what the scriptures had to say about how we're to stay away from those and how we're to find a life to be lived in passion. So we're in week two, we're hitting the pause button. We're asking that question again, what could I do in the next 30 days to really make an impact in my life? And and, and I wanna share with you, it is to love completely. Say that with me, love completely. You know, how do you love completely? Well, you know, it's not a hard thing to do. But it's different than what you think. You know, it's not like expressing like love that we think about it. I'm gonna share with you that to love completely in the way that Jesus calls us to love is through the act of forgiveness. That forgiveness is where God wants, wants us to be. So let me set the scene. <clears throat> Jesus is uh, preaching, he's teaching on a mountainside. <clears throat> he's he's uh, uh, brought on the, the posture that one would do. He's likely seated and people are gathered around and, and uh, they're, they're gathered on this mountainside and it's what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is getting some profound, giving some profound teaching. He's wanting us to know some powerful, powerful things about love and desire and, 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 and giving and, and those kind of things. And all of a sudden, somebody asks the question, Lord, will you teach us how to pray? Now, we talked a little bit about prayer a couple of weeks ago, but, but Jesus says here in, in Matthew 6, he says, "You know, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us of our trespasses or forgive us of our debts as we forgive those who trespass or have debts against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So Jesus talks about the, the holiness of God. He talks about God's provision. He talks about all of these things. But the one thing that he wants to follow up with in, as he's teaching us how to pray is this whole thing about forgiveness. And it's almost as if he's, he's saying to us, you know, it's important that you understand the value of what forgiveness means. So after he says those words of that prayer, he follows it up with, with these words. He says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, when you if you forgive other people when they do harm to you, um, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, if you do not forgive others who bring harm to you, then, then your Father will not forgive your sins. Now listen to me, listen to me really closely. Jesus is saying this is not negotiable. He's saying, this is so important that I really, really want to make sure that you understand this, that you understand the importance of what this means. I don't want you to miss the meaning of forgiveness. You see, it's hard. It's hard. I mean, think about it. I mean, you know, how often have you gotten mad at somebody? How often um, have, you, have you gotten angry because of what someone did to you and harmed you in some way, whether it was emotional, physical, or spiritual? you know, those things kind of come and, and, we, and we think about the importance of these things. Jesus says that, that we're to love and pray for our enemies. I mean, it's counterintuitive, isn't it? I mean, the world, you know, says do unto others and run, but, but Jesus says, you know, but no, you, you, need to, you need to pray for those who are your enemies and you need to love them. And that's the key point that he's trying to make in this very important sermon that he makes on the Sermon on the Mount. But if you're like me, you, you probably have been thinking as I'm talking about, you know, enemy and, and person that you might hate or person you don't like. And, and a lot of us are probably sitting there thinking to ourselves, well, I, I don't hate anybody. I mean, I, I, I like everybody, but, but do you? I mean, let, come on now, we're in church. Let's get real. Listen, I, I've had some people that I've had some, you know, real knockdown dragouts with. I've had some people that I've, that I've not been in covenant with. So I know what it's like. So when you think about that, Jesus says, love your enemies. So, so who's your enemy? I mean, who, who is that person? Here's a couple of thoughts. Um, the person that disagrees with you politically. You know, they disagree with you politically that it becomes an argument. All of a sudden, what was a friendship or, or an acquaintance now becomes they're, they're your enemy. It's the person that disagrees with you on, on, on thoughts of sexuality or or, or hierarchy or ethnicity or, or those kinds of things. It's the person who, who disagrees with you politically or, or over abortion or, or whatever the case may be. You know, you might even have an enemy in the person that you work with, that they are climbing the ladder faster than you and you're jealous of them and you don't like that at all, and, and all of a sudden now it's created this, this um, wound that's inside of you. Maybe you have a parent who's wounded you, who's, who's taken away from your self-esteem. That's become your enemy. If you've been married before and divorced, maybe it's your ex-spouse who, who maybe had said some things about you publicly that, that just has, has torn your heart apart. See, See, we all have enemies, don't we? I mean, we can't ignore it that they're there. But Jesus was very precise, wasn't he? He was very precise in what he said. He's urging us to be humble and to have a humble demeanor when it comes to the people that are that we would call our adversaries. Instead of seeing their faults, the Lord says, "See them not as their faults, see them not as sinners, see them not as people who have brought harm against you, but see them as my children." because I see you as my child as well, Jesus says. You know, so often the way this whole forgiveness thing works is that we find ourselves and say, well, well you've harmed me. So I, I'm just gonna stand here and I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna decide when I wanna come to you and tell you that you've done something wrong. And if I choose to forgive you, I just might do that, but I'm gonna pick the time when to do that. Is that you? Have, have you thought about it that way? But Jesus says that that this whole act of forgiveness means that we recognize the other person is a sinner, just like you are, just like I am. And and regardless of, of, of the fault that's happened, that we recognize that they aren't perfect, and it takes the grace of God to restore them back into that right relationship. Now, technically we're, we're not able to, uh, we don't, we're not being asked to, to like the other person. We're not asking, we're not, we're not being told to condone the behavior that what they did because you know, that, that creates an emotion and sometimes we just can't create that. We can't get ourselves to buy into that uh, because of what they've done. We don't, we don't have to approve who they are. We don't have to approve what they do, but what we do have to say is that they are fallen just like I. And if God can forgive me, God can forgive them. And if God's forgiven me, then I need to forgive them. And forgiveness is very powerful. The scriptures remind us, the Apostle Paul writes in Romans, he says that that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for our sins. That that's what demonstrates God's love for us, that as sinners, Christ died for our sins. So God's response to your rebellious behavior, God's response to my rebellious behavior against him, it's not to to cast us aside, it's not to hold a grudge, it's not to condemn, but it's to love us. It's to love us through the moments of of the challenges that we have. So let me share with you a, a couple of benefits of forgiveness. Now, now I'm not sharing these with you to say that if you do these things, then, then you're a better person. It's not that you're to do this to get something in return, but I just want to share with you that forgiveness has some powerful benefits. And here's the first one. Forgiveness heals both mind and soul. It heals your mind and it heals your soul. Let me tell you, we talked a little bit about, about this last week. We talked about bitterness and resentment, remember that? So, So whenever we're harboring a grudge, whenever we're angry at somebody, what's the prevalent mood that's in us, the prevalent peace? It's bitterness, isn't it? We are bitter, we're angry, we're upset, we're mad, we're all of those things. And bitterness causes us to become the person that we were not created to be. Now think about that. When you're angry at somebody, when you're mad at somebody, whether you are the passive aggressive type or whether you are the time bomb that blows up, whoever you are, whenever you're angry, whenever you're resenting somebody, it makes you the person you were not created to be. In fact, you become the person that you're condemning because now you're wrong as well. And we see the importance that comes to this. So you can't hold grudges. God says you gotta let them go. Jesus says you gotta let the grudges go. Give them to him and and he will make a difference. Let me me tell you this. Um, 23 years ago, I remember it as clearly as if it was 10 minutes ago. 23 years ago, at 2 a.m., my phone rang. Um, When you get a 2 a.m. phone call, let me tell you, it's never good news. I went to our friend's house. As I was walking up the steps of their home to their deck a North Carolina highway patrolman was walking down the steps on his way back to his patrol car. I got inside, and, and, and that's when I knew something horrible had happened. Our friends shared with me that, that they had just been told that their son was involved in an automobile accident, that he had gotten in the car with two other friends, and, and, and unbeknownst to him, the driver had been drinking and had a suspended license, and as they were driving down the road, um, he was speeding and driving carelessly. It caught the attention of a, of a highway patrol person who then turned the car around and engaged in A chase. And in that chase, this 19-year-old driver who had been drinking um, negotiated the turn but didn't do it correctly and, and caused the car to flip, and it flipped three or four times and landed in a cornfield. Of the three boys inside, two walked away unharmed, one died. It was the friend, it was the son of our friend. He was sitting in the passenger seat. And you can imagine what these parents thought that their one and only son had been killed. And they, and they shared with me that, that, that over the next several months that they were kind of on this crusade, they were on this mission, that they stalked this young man, that they, that they watched him, they went everywhere he went to find out what he was doing. And then insult to injury happened when the court said all he's gonna get is probation. And they followed him everywhere, hoping that he would break the law in some way that they could have him arrested again and sent to prison for the crimes that they felt he committed against their son. For months, if not almost a year, my friends struggled with this, this bitterness, it made them into be people that were, were no longer people that folks wanted to hang around. They were so embittered by this and hurt. My, my friend, his father said that, that, that he wanted to, to find this boy and pin him up against uh, a, a tree with the hood of the car and just squish him until he was dead. You can see where this was taking them. It came to a point where they realized that it, had, that it had consumed their entire life, that they were becoming people that they didn't want to be. They couldn't get out of it. And, and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. And all of a sudden, they came to the point where they realized that, that God was the one who, who could take them through this, that God was the one who could help relieve this. And this is what I call the psychological effects of, of forgiveness curing the mind and the soul. And forgiveness took that bitterness away. That forgiveness allowed them to not be the angry people that they were. You see, they found an an outlet for their pain. They found an outlet and and it came through the psalm where, where the psalmist says that God draws near to the brokenhearted. Can you imagine their one and only son And it was a point where where I asked them, I said, "You know, what was it really that released you? And they said, it was when we thought about the words of Jesus on the cross, when Jesus looked at his offenders, there hanging on the cross, and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God released their bitterness. Let me tell you, you pray a prayer like that, you pray a prayer, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do with Jesus in mind, God will, will remedy your heart and set you free. Forgiveness also offers hope for reconciliation. You know, when Peter, when Peter asked Jesus this question, he said, how many times am I supposed to forgive my brother uh, who's offended me? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times, but, but seven t- 77 times. And, and, <clears throat> and Jesus leads him to this conclusion that forgiveness is this ongoing thing that, that we forgive and that brings completion to, to what life is. And then when we learn how to forgive, we learn how to love completely. Forgiveness emulates the character of God in us. So, so whenever we forgive, it shows the world around us who we are, that we are disciples of Jesus Christ, and that, and that the life of Jesus matters and makes a difference, that it's not just lip service that we read in a book, but that we practice it. So, so forgiveness emulates the character of God in us, let me, let me share with you how I, how I wanna present that. Let's, let's go to Matthew chapter 18 and let's go to verses 21 to 35. This is a, a great story that, that really brings the culmination of what Jesus is talking about, how to love completely through forgiveness. It's the story of a, of a king who is taking, um, uh, looking at his accounts, his outstanding receivables. And he understands that he's got too much money hanging out, that people owe him too much money. And the king says, the time has come for me to call upon all those debts to come back to me. I I need the money. And so the king sends word out. And the word goes to this one guy that the scripture says owed $10 million to this king. $10 million. And the king brings him in and says, okay, it's time to settle the account. Give me my $10 million. Just, Just either send it electronically, write me a check, whatever the case is. And the guy looks at the king and he says, king, I'm bankrupt. I can't pay that, there's no way. You know, In the biblical times, the king had a lot of power. The king could sell that individual or their family or all their possessions, whatever was the case, and could sell them into slavery until they paid off their debt. And can you imagine how long it would have taken this man to pay off $10 million in debt? The man is pleading, he's on his knees, he's pleading, he's crying out to the king, Please, please, please forgive my debt. I can't pay this. Show your mercy upon me. I throw, my, throw myself to you. Show your mercy. And the king forgives the man his debt. It's a miracle. Then the man whose debt has just been forgiven leaves the presence of the king and walks out of the palace and goes down the street and sees a guy that owes him 20 bucks. Not $10 million, 20 bucks. And he grabs hold of the man and he starts shaking him, demanding payment, demanding payment. And the man's like, show mercy, I don't have the 20 bucks. Please just just turn me loose, I'll get it to you somehow. And the man had this other guy thrown in to debtor's prison to work off the debt. The scriptures tell us that word came back to the king about what this man he had forgiven had done. And the king was furious. In fact, he called, him a, called the man a wicked servant. And he said to the worker whose debt he had, he had canceled, he said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have shown the same mercy to your fellow servant uh, just as I had on you? And the man couldn't even forgive the other guy 20 bucks. But but here's the truth. Jesus said, this is how your heavenly father will forgive you and treat you unless you forgive your brother with mercy. So, So Jesus is saying, folks, we've got to take this forgiveness thing seriously. It has to be the bedrock. And the only way we can truly love completely is to forgive others of their trespasses against us. You see, we hear a story like I just uh, paraphrased to you in the scripture about the king and the servant. We hear that and we get angry at the guy because he went and chased after somebody because he owed him 20 bucks after the king had forgiven him a $10 million debt. And we say to ourselves, how in the world could he have done that? Is he like a stupid? But think about it. Isn't that what you and I do? Don't we get mad at trivial things? Don't we like, you know, get angry and and not want to offer forgiveness to others even though God has forgiven us? Of course we do. And that's why this lesson is so important with what Jesus is saying. He hits it head on. He says, but if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive you of your sins. You see, we can't go around telling people and telling the world that we are like tight with God when we're not. We can't say that, that, that we are one with Christ when we're not. We can't say, well, I'm a prayer and I read the scripture and I do this and I do that. But in reality, we aren't willing to forgive the offender. I told you last week, and let me reiterate it again, forgiveness is not letting the other person off the hook. It's actually setting you free, the one who's been offended. And, and that bitterness goes, and, and then when that bitterness goes, we begin to take on the character and experience the fruit of Christ, don't we? That's the significance of what Jesus is saying. So how do you do this? Let me, let me share with you. It's called a peace process, okay? I'm going to use the word peace. I'm going to make an acrostic out of it. And so for every letter, P-E-A-C-E, I'm going to give you kind of a point that helps us to get to the point where we can get to forgive. The first part is, is P, and that stands for pray. I can't urge you enough, pray, pray. Because most of us, we are wired to where we really want to hold a grudge. Most of us are wired to where we think we, there's no way we can forgive what that person has done to me. So we have to pray. We have to pray that God would be the one that would give us the courage and the strength. If you're having trouble letting go, pray to God. God, I can't find the strength or the courage or the ability to do this. And God will answer your prayer, I guarantee it. E and and P stands for empathize. You want to walk in the other person's shoes. You want to empathize with who they are. You know, normally we, we evaluate people based upon what we think they can give us or do for us. That's not the standard that we need to see as Christians. We need to see them from the perspective that they are a child of God just like you are a child of God. That if God can forgive you, then God can forgive them. And because God forgives you, then you need to forgive. And we see the importance of this. The A, the A and P stands for act. Jesus says, love your, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. This was one of the hardest lessons I ever had to learn in life, was to pray for my adversaries. Let me tell you, I didn't want to do it. I did It didn't make sense to me. How can I pray for my adversary? But here's what God taught me. When I pray for the person who's my adversary, then God starts developing a newness in my heart of love. And then God grows my capacity to love others, even the person who's my adversary. And whenever I can love my adversary, then I am loving more completely. And I am loving in the way in which Jesus has called me to live. C and P stands for confess. Confess. Listen, in, in most instances, my my experiences and in, in most relationships that have gone south in my life. I've, I've, had, I've been a contributor to that. You know, it doesn't make sense. I mean, we wanna just go blame the other person. It was their fault, they did it. They should have, could have, would have. Why didn't they? And how could they? And all. But listen, we've gotta own it. We've gotta confess. If, I, if, I'm, if I've gone sideways with you, I have to confess that I have a part and I have something that I've done that has made us go sideways. And I have to confess that. You see, when we open our heart to the people that we've harmed, when we, when we truly seek forgiveness, what does it do? It demonstrates to them the humility that's within us. It lets them know that we're serious about this, that we want to make things right. The last E in P stands for emulate. Paul, Paul says, be imitators of God. And, and, and whenever, we're, whenever we're perplexed, whenever we're not sure we can do this, what would Jesus do? And that's the important thing that we see. We need to reconcile just as Jesus did. Let me leave you with this quote this morning. This is a quote from um, Pastor John Stott. He's a British pastor. And I think it really sums up what I'm trying to say. Listen to what he says. He says, Jesus seems to have prayed for his tormentors while the iron spikes were being driven through his hands and his feet. Indeed, the imperfect tense of the biblical account suggests that he kept praying, kept repeating an entreaty. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Listen, if the if the torture of the crucifixion didn't stop Jesus from praying that prayer, if the beating didn't stop him from praying that prayer, if those iron spikes in his hands didn't stop, if, if the spear did not stop him, Jesus continued to pray that prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Here's what you can control today. You can control the time that you're willing to take that step. God says the door is open. God says, I've spoken the truth. And it's time now, whether it's today, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, but let me urge you, the sooner the better, whoever your adversary is, seek a way to forgive. Release yourself of the pain and the bitterness that you've had. And when you do that, you will learn one great thing, and that is how to love completely through forgiveness.